Good Monday, Cougar Nation. Welcome back into the Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. It's always a great Monday when we can break down a BYU win from the weekend. And Saturday night in Tucson, BYU was an opening night winner, 28-23 over Arizona, as the Cougs win their season opener for an 11th time in the last 12 seasons. I'm joined today by new offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, Coach Grimes in the first half hour of today's show, and Coach Lamb on the back half. It is great to have you with us uh, on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN 960. You can also watch us live on the BYU Football Facebook Live page. We invite you to be a part of today's show by tweeting questions for the coaches using hashtag CCBYU on Twitter or via comments on the BYU Football Faceback Live. Pleasure to welcome back in Coach Jeff Grimes. Uh, two days removed from this uh, first game as BYU's offensive play caller. Uh, victorious debut. Coach Grimes, congrats to you, staff, players. What a terrific way to get this one underway. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and, and it feels a whole lot better to be sitting here right now than it did a week ago, <laughs> having one game under our belt, particularly um, one with a victory. You were hired back in December. Uh, you had a bowl game to coach with your old team at that time. Then you got to know this BYU offense uh, a few weeks later, I guess. Um, how would you describe the process of going from that get-to-know-you in the winter to being in a position to go on the, on the road in Pac-12 country and win a game on opening night? Um, a process. And I, I told I told our coaches afterwards and again this morning that um, it was eight months of work that that led up to that victory on Saturday, and there were there were a lot of a lot of um, long days and long nights and a lot of work and a lot of preparation and a lot of difficult decisions and at times difficult conversations that led to us putting that product on the field. Um, obviously, it, it it makes it all worth it when when you can walk away with a victory, but. Really, just um, as I think back about the process, the biggest thing I, I think about is just the change in our in our offense, the change in the players, the change in their um, culture, their their demeanor, their confidence, and and I think that more than any specific play or or style is the reason that we were able to be successful. It's a lot of the same people, Jeff, back from last year that had struggles and 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 didn't have great experiences, and so to to get them in the position to be where they were on Saturday night has to feel uh, rewarding, and and you credit them clearly. Certainly rewarding, and I give all, I give the players and and the rest of our staff a lot of credit for for getting them to that point. But you know, I really after the game, um, I just I just stood back from the fray and just watched our players celebrate, and it was it was one of the most rewarding moments that I've had in coaching to see our players have that much much joy to see them run and and greet our fans and. Um, how cool is that, by the way, to be in a road venue and have that experience? Yeah, really neat, and one of the things that that makes BYU special. But just really, really proud of our of our players, um, and really happy for them. You know, there's something fulfilling. It's it's similar, not quite the same as seeing your own child succeed, but very, very close to watching your team succeed when you when you care so much about them. There are so many stats and notes I want to get to with you, but until they find a different way to, to determine a winner and a loser, uh, points scored are all that's going to really matter in this thing. Uh, your offense scored 28. Did you feel that might be, I don't know, in the neighborhood of enough to beat Arizona on Saturday night? Um, you know, I don't really ever think in, in, in that notion until we get into the game. You know, once you get a little further into the game, then you get a feel for how many you might have to score to win it based on how it's going. But our goal is to score points every time we take the football. And so 
Um, I didn't think about that ahead of time. I'm, I'm not at all surprised with how we played, and I don't mean that arrogantly at all. I just mean that in the fact that I had a lot of confidence in our players, and, and I had more confidence um, as we as we got closer to the game than I did even early in the week because our players just prepared mm. so hard, and, and they looked ready. I had a really good feeling about um, their psyche on Saturday going into the game. BYU's down 10-7 at halftime. Then it's a 21-0 third quarter to change the game. It wasn't just the points. It was 11 and a half minutes of possession. It was more than seven yards per play in that third quarter. Yeah, and you know, I think it was just it was us settling down a little bit. You know, we had five possessions in the first half. The first two we had miscues on um, that just kept us from from moving the ball, and I think we were a little bit a little bit antsy. And once we settled in, we had that next scoring drive and and then we had another miscue that stopped us on another drive. But um, I think I, we really didn't do a whole lot different. We did have we did have one um, series there where we really put the pedal down and went fast. But other than that, we didn't do a whole lot different in the third quarter. We just executed. Didn't make mistakes. Looking at everything uh, from start to finish, uh, key stats. First downs of possessions were really good. Uh, play success rate for the game was very good. Negative plays were very low, very rare. I think it was under 3% negative plays. Turnovers non-existent. Uh, one three and out all night. Ran it for buck 83, balanced with 200-plus passing. There was a lot to like about the way you guys executed that first night game plan. Yeah, um, I think obviously, number one, no turnovers. That's a big deal. Um, I think we only had one negative play uh, other than what was attributed by penalty. So we had one one run where we lost one yard, um, where we were really just trying to uh, eat up some clock at the end of the first half, um, which is which doesn't make it okay. No sacks, it was a really big deal, and so all of those things, um, you know, more first games are lost than are won, and we didn't lose the game. That was first. However, um, what we have to work on to take the next step is is removing some of those mistakes that that were drive killers at times we honestly after looking at it as a staff felt like we left at least 100 yards on the field and probably a couple more scores and of course any any team could say that but we had three false starts which is completely inexcusable um we had one illegal formation, which is, again, completely inexcusable. And then we had one holding penalty, which we don't want either, but is going to happen occasionally when a guy's, when a guy's playing hard. So those, those five penalties are the things that I'm uh, most disappointed in and certainly at the top of our priority list in terms of making corrections. Ten penalties on opening night to five offense, five defense. You kind of ran through the, the infractions you just saw. You talked about no sacks. And um, since it, it's, uh, it, it's the love of your life, beyond your family, the offensive line, uh, if you had to look at that group as a whole and say beyond the obvious thing, not letting Tanner get uh, knocked around, uh, what pleased you most? Their effort. Their effort. It wasn't perfect. It was ugly at times, but they played hard and they played physical. And um, really, really proud of just the way that they came out. And, and even at times when it probably didn't show, I felt like they, um, they gave us an opportunity to run the football and throw it, and that's obviously where it starts. How many guys played? In the offensive yeah. line? Mm-hmm. Five. Just the five, right? Yeah. I, I I was trying to keep an eye, but I didn't see any platooning or substitution, and it really was the five start to finish. That's correct. Is that an unusual thing for you? No. If you can stay healthy, um, if your best five are your best five, then you're going to keep those five in there. If you got a sixth or a seventh that's close, 
then you may do some rotation, and, and that could still happen as the year progresses. We'll, we'll just have to see how they develop. But you've gone all the way historically, and, and then that was what you did on Saturday night because they were playing the way you wanted them to. Yeah, that's right. It's a good thing. All right, break time on the Coordinator's Corner. When we come back, more from offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes on the Cougars' season-opening win at Arizona and how it happened. Later in the half hour, your questions for a coach using hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. We're back with more after this. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody. From burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it. In Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. BYU 1-0 in the season after a 28-23 win at Arizona on Saturday night. We're back on the coordinator's corner with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb coming up in the next half hour. After a scoreless first quarter in Tucson, the first score of the Jeff Grimes OC tenure came on a touchdown capping a nine-play, 59-yard drive. Key play in the series, at least one of the key plays, a 30-yard gain on a third and 10 at the Arizona 37. Can you tell us about that play? Might have been the play of the game. Um, for um, Tanner was under a little duress and um, made a great play, stepping up, threw the ball um, right right in, in, possession, in position where um, – where Dylan could catch it, and I think it was Eleva on the crosser, wasn't it? On that. Oh, I'm sorry, I yeah, was moving. The, we're going to get to Dylan's third and twelve in a excellent. bit, but the third and ten was on the thirty yard gainer on the first touchdown drive. I yeah. got you. Right. Yeah, yeah, mix those two up. Um, yeah, so that's a play. The play you're referring to is one that we've been we've been working all camp and that we felt confident with something that um, that we feel like um, plays to our personnel. And those shallow crossers, mm-hmm. particularly in that situation, can gain a little bit more than, than people realize. And there's a lot that goes into the, making that a successful play. Certainly the throw was good and the catch was good and then had some guys do some blocking downfield too. I mentioned it because it was a big third down play and set you up for the touchdown, much as the play you t- to which you just alluded. And that could and the play of the game, as we kind of called it, and you hit it too. It's, it's later in the game. You're down 10-7 now. Uh, Dylan Cotley's catch on third and 12 in the third quarter with you being down 10-7. Huge play because the next play ends up being Tanner to Matt for the touchdown, and then you're in the lead and you never gave it back. Yeah, and, and that was a great great play again by Tanner and by Dylan. He had to fight for the ball, and, and Tanner did a great job while under a little bit of pressure. But I was just really proud of those two guys, and I felt like that play and and um, and a couple others, Moroni's play, leaping over the guy, trying to make a low tackle right near our sideline, that kind of fired our sideline up, gave us a little bit of energy, and and um, it was just fun to see our guys go out and make some plays. But those those two were certainly as big as any in the game. Three of your four touchdown drives featured either a conversion on third and ten or longer, we've talked about two of them, or a fourth down conversion. The last drive of the game to seal the deal Saw BYU run for five on a third and two and for nine on a third and seven to end it. When the hardest yards were needed on Saturday, that's a few examples right there. Your guys had a knack of making the play. It has to make you really proud. Very much so. I think that has a lot to do with confidence, and I think confidence comes from preparation. And we we prepared for all of those scenarios. We've practiced all those scenarios, and some of the players were laughing about it afterwards. Wow, Coach, that four-minute drill, (laughs) you were right about it, which was kind of cool. But, you know, the four-minute drill is a really big deal, and it's an underrated part of a football game. But sometimes the most difficult thing to do is make a first down when – most people know you're probably going to run yeah. the football, and, and even if you don't convert, you want to burn clock. But to be able to make first downs, and we had two there 
in that situation is, is something that's really, really difficult. But I think all the things that you're talking about, the third down conversions, the touchdowns, the the runs and all those things, it, it was indicative of the night. And that was that it was a great team win, you know, and, and certainly the whole team, you know, special teams played well. They set us up for one touchdown with a big punt return. The defense did a great job bottling up their offense, particularly the quarterback. And then our offense made plays when we had opportunities. And and on a smaller level, our offense won as a team. There, there were... Um, were a lot of contributors, both as ball carriers, pass catchers, blockers. Um, there were a lot of people who did a lot of things and, and a lot of really good players who didn't necessarily get targeted much but still had key roles in the victory. Uh, 11 targets on the night reception-wise. Ten of them had catches, and of the ten, they were all between one and three catches, so very much spread around on the evening. As much as it was a team win, Squally, who helped close things out with those nice runs at the end of the game, um, had a big night. Just under 100 yards, three touchdowns uh, on the night, and uh, looked tremendous, I thought, for the first game out of the shoots. How did you feel? I felt really good about him. And there's been so much growth in him in the in the last eight months. I've seen him come from a guy that um, I wasn't sure uh, about initially. And um, I think he'd, he'd tell you that, too. To Why a weren't guy you sure? That, um he just he was unproven and a little bit um like a lot of our guys um i think just coming out of a situation where they didn't know how much they could trust us as mm-hmm. coaches and didn't know how much uh, we didn't know how much we could trust them and over a period of time that trust built and certainly um i hope that that they grew to trust us and we certainly grew to trust them over that time but they've they've proven themselves and he did that as much as anyone in in the past number of months, but I had absolutely no question um, that he would do that. And as a matter of fact, I singled him out a, a, as one of several guys in my pregame talk to the offense, and I said, "I got no question you're going to get it when we give it to you on on third and one." And mm-hmm. so, and there was one moment in the game where where we had an opportunity to to go for it, and I looked at him and said, "What do you want? What run do you want?" And he said it, and I said, "Okay, that's what we're running." Um, but he had a great night. Not only not only. Um, with the football in his hand, but playing away from the ball. When we gave a jet sweep to someone else and he carried out his fake as if he had the ball. Yeah. Had a couple of key blocks in protection, um, which which is a big deal that, that most of the time no one ever notices. Um, so I was I was really p- proud of his performance, and he got a lot of hard yards. You know, he didn't quite reach 100, but, man, he ran the football in some tough situations, and he had a lot of third and goal and, and fourth – fourth and goal opportunities where making a yard or two is really worth the same as having a six or eight yard gain in the normal field he might have had a hundred I'm not I don't remember if the elite if the illegal formation took away maybe one of the bigger runs he had might have put him over there I'm not sure if that's what it was but at least uh, rings a bell what's well, neat so Squally got to call it call his own number for you a little bit there he did that's good he did uh Lopini Katoa gave you a really nice one too on Saturday yeah yeah he he did well too and and um, we feel really confident in both of those guys and a couple other backs that we have that I'm sure will contribute in the next few weeks as well. Before the break, you had a third and three turning into a fourth and three in the fourth quarter, up 28-17 at around the Arizona 37. The defense got a three and out on the next sequence, so it almost kind of was a wash in terms of how the ball was given away. Did you know that was going to be a four-down situation going into third down there, or were you kind of in between on that? Um, we were in between on that at the moment, and... In retrospect, um, I think we could have done some other things, but at the same time, we called we called two plays that we feel very confident 
could get us three yards or more, and we just didn't execute. We didn't throw and catch, and, and it wasn't a matter of having um, um, a play call that we felt confident in. We reviewed it again this morning as a staff, and we both felt we all we all felt confident that we could get that if if given the situation again. We just didn't execute it. Great thing was the ball was given back. Defense comes out fired up, dancing around, three and out, and you get the ball back. Yeah. Great. Like I said, great team win. All right, coming up next, we go to social media for your questions for offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes using hashtag CCBYU on Twitter or comments on BYU Football Facebook Live. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back after this. You are in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. BYU 28-23 over Arizona Saturday night to senior quarterback Tanner Mangum. A very tidy and efficient night to Saturday. I went 18 for 28 for 209 yards. Uh, touchdown, no picks. Helped BYU to that road win. His final campaign off to a solid start. And offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes, how did you assess the way that uh, Tanner took your team into Tucson? I thought he played well, managed the game well. Um... And I thought he, like like the rest of our team, played better as the game went on. I'm sure there are a couple of those throws early on that he'd like to have back. But um, he was under pressure a couple times, too, and had a couple times where there were, there were receivers that were open and he kind of had to throw with somebody in his face. And then there were a couple other times um, where um, he probably just could have thrown it a little bit better. But all in all, a really good performance. Uh, whether unused personnel or uncalled plays, there's a lot more to see from this BYU offense clearly. How eager are you for the process now of building a package and gaining even more depth and productivity as you move forward game to game, week to week? It's gonna. I think it'll be a lot easier now because we know a little bit more about our team now. And I think I think you go into the first game knowing a lot of things, but you never know for sure what it's going to look like until you play another opponent and the lights are on and it's real. And so we know more now, certainly. Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's a whole lot more to come. You know, I, I um, certainly was glad when that game was over and, and the, the ball, um, the, the game ended with the ball in our hands. But there are a whole lot more plays that, that we were ready to call mm-hmm. as well. And, and certainly in the passing game, um, for sure, we ended up – in a couple of situations there late in the second half where we were trying to eat up as much clock as we could. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to, to call some more plays. And that second half was a lot of that, Coach. Uh, 22 and a half, I think, to seven and a half minutes of possession. And possession time, there are different ways to interpret the stat in terms of what you do with it. But that said, uh, if that was one of your objectives to kind of control the game that way, it's what that, that was what got done. Yeah, it, it wasn't when we started the, the second half, for sure. But when you score three touchdowns that quickly and go up and your defense is playing well, I think you certainly got to take that into consideration. All right, to social media now for Coach Jeff Grimes, at Ridgeline underscore Day on the Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU. Coach Grimes, what are your takeaways from tight ends and wide receivers after week one? Well, just just like I said leading into it, um, you know, somebody asked me just before the game something about the fact that we had more than Matt Bushman listed as a starter at tight end. I think the game showed that, and, and Matt had a good game, but so did a lot of other tight ends. We played five tight ends, and they all filled a role, and, and each of them have a role, and each of those roles are a little bit different, but really pleased with with the fact that we could play that many guys at that position and have each of them contribute in a major way. And the, And the same is true of the receivers. Some of them didn't have catches that will have catches this week and the following week, but 
some of them did a great job blocking and you know we like I said we just had a lot of contribution at a number of positions and those those two in particular are a great example of that Dallin Holker was very close to scoring a touchdown in his college debut, I called it a touchdown. The officials called it a touchdown. Then we had to come back and set it up for a first and goal, I think. Uh, he was really close to sneaking in that pylon toe touchdown. Yeah, I'm sure he'd like to have that opportunity <laughs> back again. And, you know, he he really kind of played wide receiver a little bit more than tight end in high school and and um, looked a little bit more like a wide receiver <laughs> than a tight end in that moment who was racing <laughs> To the pylon as fast as he could get there, and you know maybe he's forgotten that he's two hundred and thirty pounds that he on. can just turn his shoulders yeah. vertical and he'd get in right there. But I'm sure that'll be one that he'll remember as well. Yeah, it was a great play, and ultimately the end result is what counts, and they got in right away. Uh, from at J M Kugman on Twitter for Coach Grimes hashtag CCBYU. Coach Grimes, how much of the ball distribution? And he mentions ten players with at least one catch, as we talked about. How much of that is by design or through on field decisions made by Tanner? The spreading around of it, I guess. Yeah, it's both. Um, We certainly design a game plan in which we want to feature as many guys as possible. It's it's no different than other sports. If if you have a basketball team and all five players can score, then it makes that that team harder to defend. And we feel the same way about offense. If, If any skill player on any given down could be a ball carrier or a receiver, then I think it makes it harder for, for teams to prepare against us. But at the same time, on all of our passing plays, we have the opportunity for the quarterback to, to throw to different people. And, and really, that's the defense's decision, not the quarterback's decision, because we have specific progressions, and we're going to throw to the guy that the defense uncovers. And, and um, so it we may in certain games end up looking like we're trying to target one particular person more so than others, but it really has more to do with what the defense does than us. Okay, thanks for the questions on social media. Again, hashtag CCBYU on Twitter or on the BYU Football Facebook Live comments section. You shared with us already how you played just the five offensive linemen, which means that James Empey got got every snap for you, I guess, on, on Saturday night. Those were his first collegiate snaps. So lights on, road venue, First college game for a center. Um, how would you grade James out? He, he did really well. Really, really proud of him. And that is, as you alluded to, a, a more difficult um, job description than some others because he's got the ball in his hand every every play. And when you're on the road in particular, it's more that way with crowd noise. But he did a great job. I thought his communication was good. I thought he played hard. And I'll also mention uh, Brady Christensen, who it was his first opportunity to play as well and played really really well left and, tackle uh-huh played really well and probably graded out the highest of all the offensive linemen uh a good friend of mine uh ben uh ben criddle was at uh tweeting out some videos last night and one of them uh was uh was thomas Schof. i think it was the screenplay um making a block on the screen to, spr- to free squally and how excited thomas was just to get downfield yeah. uh with squally on that play you, lo- you 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 pick you pick those things up too from your yeah. linemen right yeah for sure yeah it when you see them get excited for something then and with another player then you then you get a feel for the cohesiveness that we've built as a unit and that's one of the words i used before the game they asked me what do you expect to see and the word i used was cohesion that's what i thought we would get and i think it's what you delivered on saturday night would you say fair enough i think so and again all all the credit goes to the players for their willingness to give for each other and and be willing to submit their own goals to the goal of of um us scoring points and ultimately a team win last thing cal in town saturday home debut for byu in 2018 First games are great. First home games are special, too, though. 
Absolutely. I can't wait. I can't wait to play. I can't wait to put an offense on the field in front of our home crowd. Be great. Coach Grimes, thanks for your time. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks, Greg. All right, that's Jeff Grimes. Coming up after the break, we switch over to special teams and take a look at the linebackers as well with special teams coordinator and linebackers coach Ed Lamb. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN 960. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody. From burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. Second half hour, the coordinator's corner underway now with special teams coordinator and linebackers coach Ed Lamb with me in studio. Your questions for Coach Lamb can be sent in using hashtag CCBYU or via comments on the BYU Football Facebook Live broadcast of our show. Coach Lamb, congrats to you and to BYU on now going a Three for three in your season openers during the Kalani Satake era here. All right, thanks. Uh, it's uh, ideally a uh, 12 or a 13 game season, of course, but in the overall scheme, how important was game one at Arizona in terms of giving credence to maybe everything you've tried to build and develop and change over, say, eight months or so? You know, the way it played out, I think it w- is really important for the future of the of the season and the ongoing season. Um, you know, the, the fact that uh, defensively the effort was really strong early and uh, offensively it wasn't uh, mistake riddled or anything like that. In fact, we were you know, careful with the ball and didn't turn it over. But we we didn't start out as hot as we finished on offense. And uh, for the team to keep believing, I think, was was really a, a big step in the right direction. And then to see it all come together at uh, at halftime, I think the defensive players, they heard the, the confidence in uh, – Grimy's voice when when he addressed the offense and said we're, we're right where we want to be. Uh, these these short uh, three yard runs are going to become four and five and six yard runs, and we're going to score. He said we're going to score three or four touchdowns, and we're going to win this game going away. And so when that momentum started to build, you know, there was just such such a team belief, and it was hard. Um, we always know it's a great sideline atmosphere when it's hard to keep the defensive guys engaged in our adjustments between the series because they want to see what's going on so much with mm. the offensive guys. And so it was just a, just a fantastic atmosphere and I think uh, leads to a, a real team belief moving forward. That belief was evident as BYU got out to that 28-10 lead with that great third quarter. But sometimes it's okay to begin at the beginning. And we're going to go back Saturday night in Tucson. Arizona got the ball to begin the game and put together the longest drive of the game. 14 plays, but no points. 42-yard field goal attempt is touched by, I think, two of your guys. Uh, Michael Shelton and Corbin Kafusi had maybe both got a touch to it. Holding Arizona without points after 14 plays to open the game was huge, I thought. Yes, absolutely. And it was uh, you know, it was a tough drive on the guys mentally because there were, there were two third-down conversions and, and a, a third and medium and a third and long. And so um, you know, to just hang in there throughout down the field and then the, the coaches too, like, hey, we're, we're, we're where we want to be. We don't want to be a bend but don't break defense. But when a team puts together a drive, that is the must-have philosophy is that you've got to continue to play the drive for any play that can happen down the stretch and finally get the break we needed. That break came in, in the form of getting some penetration with Kairos Tonga and, uh, and uh, Bracken L. Bakery, and then uh, Corbin Kafusi kind of pushed up through the middle of them and got his hand up. Mike Shelton put some great pressure on it. That's not an easy thing for a kicker when they see that color flash off the edge, and uh, it was yeah, it was a great way to start the game. BYU went only four plays on its first offensive series, punted on its second series, but kept Arizona scoreless. We went to the second quarter 0-0, but then BYU scores first. And in the Kalani Satake era, scoring first has kind of been big. BYU is now 9-2 when they open up on top. And since 2005, 
BYU 79 and 12 when they just take the first lead. That's an 87% win rate. So historically, a uh, front running has been a good place for this team to be, and it's been for you guys too. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, you know, we, we talk about. I think every staff talks about scoring first. It's a. It's a. I don't. I don't know that the national average for victory is that high. No, we're higher than, than, first, than normal. But, uh, yeah. It is. It is one of the indicators and one of the goals that I think every team strives for. So. Yeah, I was uh, glad we got that result of scoring first and following up the victory. Now, the final defensive sequence of the first half did see Arizona convert a couple of third downs and a fourth down. They took a 10-7 lead to the locker room. But uh, you you mentioned Coach Grimes a moment ago and what he said. That third quarter was the game changer, very decisive. Yeah, absolutely. The two, uh, it was three and outs on defense twice. Uh, offense putting uh, together back-to-back-to-back drives and then uh, the the punt return uh, by Mike Shelton and the the punt return unit you know anytime you give a punt returner credit there's some guys out there working their tails off Uh, it was great pressure all night on their punter and then um, the punt return guys really really blocked their tails off Mike made a couple of guys miss and that that gave the short field position I think it was I think that was the third of the three scores there in that quarter really a backbreaker we're going to get to a lot of the special teams particulars to have Ed reflect on that in a bit. There's a question from Twitter on the defensive backfield, and linebackers are your position, but you can weigh in on this certainly. At Roberts Jason C on Twitter, how do you feel the cornerbacks played on Saturday, particularly the freshmen who got playing time? Fantastic. We feel like uh, you know after the first game that um, we're going to be able to get more guys into that rotation and be you know, the, the the first step into being a competitive football team, a good football team, especially on defense, is having guys continue to compete for their jobs. And we felt like coming out of that game that that the, the freshmen took a big step forward. Some of them played more on special teams, but the, the punt return technique is the same technique we use on defense in our man-to-man mm-hmm. coverage. And some of those guys just really locked it down there in the, on the punt return game. And when they did get in, D'Angelo Gunter made a, a huge uh, play where he was able to get his head around and play the ball and you know, after that, he made a, a freshman error and, and tried to substitute himself after the game, celebrated a little too hard and got fatigued. And, and so that's kind of that's a good microcosm for where we sit right now in the defensive backfields. We've got some experienced guys and and uh, they're they're certainly good players. But we've got some young freshmen that as they continue to learn and grow, um, they'll not only play more, but they'll they'll push for starting playing time. Anybody curious about uh, D'Angelo? Uh, he was Gunter. I think is now going by Mandel, maybe on his jersey. Is yes. that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so he, if they he, see a Mandel out there, that's who we're talking that's, about. That's that's yeah. Mandel. I think he's wearing thirty six, which was which is different than his the number right. he's been wearing in training camp. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure what's more unusual, Ed, the fact that BYU had four defensive PIs in a 13 game season last year, or three in the first game of this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know. It, Defensive PIs are one of those things that it's, it's like missed tackles. We, we don't want them, um, but we don't want to be scared either to defend aggressively. Those particular PIs were not—it wasn't aggressive defending. It, we were in a good position and just didn't get around and, and play the ball um, as, as uh, aggressively as we should. And so we, we want to continue to work that and give the guys confidence and that we can play the ball when we're in a good position. All right, break time on the Coordinator's Corner. When we return, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb on the special teams performance in Tucson and on how his linebackers looked as well. We're back with that right after this. The Coordinator's Corner is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Special Teams Coordinator, Linebackers Coach, and Assistant Head Coach Ed Lamb with me until the top of the hour. And uh, Coach Lamb's special teams were excellent on Saturday. I'm just going to run through a few things here. Skyler Southam, 
Four for four on scoring kicks, made all of his PATs in his first college game. Rhett Almond and the punt team, four for four in punt efficiency. One deflected field goal, called a block. No blocks allowed. Snaps all look good from my vantage point. 45 yards on three punt returns, including a 30-yard effort from Michael Shelton. Zero punt return yards allowed. A couple of touchbacks on kickoffs, and none of the three return kickoffs made it outside the 25. That's a great night on special teams. How do you see it? Yeah, I thought it was a really clean night. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I thought in some of those phases we weren't challenged as, as much as we could have been, and I thought our kickoff coverage had an opportunity to, to get what we would consider a tackle for loss. You know, when it gets out near the 25, which their, their two returns did, um, you know, that's just kind of a push. You know, I think uh, certainly you want to give credit for the coverage being solid, but I thought we had a chance to get them closer to the 15 once or twice, and so uh, I'll challenge the guys to do that as we move forward in the season. We've been pretty good at that on the coverage in, in the past couple of years. Andrew put a couple through and then a couple that were goal line-ish that came out. What Did you have varying strategies or have you settled on something you want him to do uh, game in, game out? Um, well, er- early in the season, um, we, we don't have much of a scouting report on what a team is doing with their return. We've got some coverage guys that take a lot of pride in trying to read the returns and um, and get plus one, plus two, plus three bodies over there into the designed area of the return. And so um, new special teams coordinator for Arizona and, and no previous game film. We wanted Andrew to put uh, as much hang time on it as possible. We weren't f- afraid to cover any, but if it happened to drift into the end zone, um, then, then we were we, we called that acceptable. And in the past, sometimes we've we've challenged him to put it on the five-yard line and not get it into the end zone and give the boys a chance to go down and cover. And, and this was just a little different. might have had more to do with the early game, not, not uh, as much of a scouting report. The new fair catch rule didn't come into play on Saturday. No one used it on the kickoffs, obviously. Yeah, no yeah. one, no one yeah. used it, and, and I didn't see it used much around the country. And I thought that going into the game, it would be, you know, something that uh, one of the, the idiosyncrasies of that rule is if um, if that's if it's muffed in any way, and you, and and the guy fair catches it, then you ha- you take it right there where it's where it's muffed and recovered. So. I uh, really don't like uh, the usage of that rule unless the kick is just, uh, you know, like it has been in the past. I think I think where it's going to save teams is is if the ball is sky kicked to say the twenty yard line. In the past, you might tell your end, "Hey, look, don't don't sacrifice that that five seven yards of field position. Okay. Catch it and move forward, and it caused some big collisions." I, I think it's still more along those lines for most teams anyway. If you have a decent kickoff return unit, makes sense. Uh, we didn't get to see a Skyler Southern field goal attempt. Uh, BYU did find itself in the neighborhood uh, where a long field goal decision might have been coming uh, once or twice. Either way, you like his leg. We'll get to see it at some point. And there was there were a couple times there was like eh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We felt like we were in range, and the discussion was going on uh, between Coach Shitake and myself and and the offensive staff as well about what the, what we thought we could get. And then there's always just the the kind of the risk reward, uh, particularly on a long field goal. It's you know you have uh, if you know, the the, the the chances or likelihood of making it go down a little bit, no matter how good the kicker is, but also the chances of uh, getting one blocked or one returned can can happen in that situation. And then, uh, what kind of lead is it giving us? We felt like a first down in that in that particular situation late in the game, a first down would have completely yeah, iced right. the game, and so it was a chance to win the game. What do you feel about his range right now? Like, what are you comfortable with, knowing what you know about him? Well, I, I think he's definitely. Uh, when, when we talk range, I think he's fifty-five and and maybe fifty-five plus. He's hit he's hit some of those in practice that still had yardage left. Um, uh, so you know, a game is always a, a new and different criteria. But I'm anxious to see that opportunity that is right where where it makes sense for the team. And you know, in hindsight, we're you know, coaches are honest. I mean. We didn't get the first down, right? And so, in hindsight, yeah, if if we would have made the three points, that's all, that would have been the right decision. So, we'll take that into account. 
But once you're inside the 40, it becomes a discussion point now uh, with this offense. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah right now we're targeting just inside that 40-yard line. The discussion occurs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of BYU's co-leading tacklers was linebacker Butch Pau'u on Saturday. Corbin was the other. They both had seven solo stops uh, officially. And he had a couple of hits that looked like, oh, that's Butch again. That, yes. that, 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 that reminded me of a guy a couple of years ago. Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah. He, he, he tackled with his face up. And uh, there's a lot of guys try to get big hits, you know, and come in, take a chance, put their head down. It's against the rules of the game, and, and really it causes missed tackles. Butch comes in with his eyes open, his face up, a big smile, and <laughs> can really turn. I call it turning the runner backwards. He did that a couple of times on Saturday night where their, their runner and, and our tackler, Butch, met in the hole, and their, their runner ended up turning his back to to his own goal line. So Butch with seven stops. Sione Takitaki, uh, he was a handful. He had four solo tackles, a couple of PBUs. St. Anderson wasn't credited with a pass breakup, but I thought he was involved in one uh, on the one. night. He did. Yeah, uh, three of the top five tacklers then on the night were your starting linebackers. How did they kind of grade out for you? And again, Zane didn't get the PBU, but I thought he had one. I thought they were all involved at different times at really important moment, moments for you. They were they were really active. Butch's physicality combined with uh, Zane and, and Sione's speed, that, you know, after the game, you always read some of the articles and stuff, and and uh, boy, the, the impression that um, that their offense offensive coordinator for Arizona didn't try to run Khalil Tate is is absurd. And somebody just needs to go back and watch the the video. They they ran more than forty plays where he was designed to keep the ball, and uh, and every time you had Corbin standing there smiling at him and then Zane or Shone, you know, those guys can run too. And several of the times where he was able to kind of get an edge on, on Corbin and uh, against other teams had been able to turn that corner. Zane and Zane and Shone were, you know, they're, they're right there stride for stride with them. There'll be a lot of PAC 12 DCs looking at this game as, uh, as something of a blueprint in that no one really did to Khalil Tate would be why you did Saturday once he became a player last year. And that leads us to Khalil being the central focus of the game plan Saturday. And the plan appeared to be, like you just described, well executed. He had the least productive game of his starting career since he became the guy down in Tucson. Yeah, well, uh, Corbin Kalfusi's a giant, and um, and he can run. And he showed that on Saturday. And, and he was playing the spy. I mean, his, his job was to sacrifice some of his opportunity to rush the quarterback. He ended up getting a sack, which I'm really happy for because – he sacrificed, you know, what he trains for and what he is. A defensive end wants to rush the passer, and he didn't. He didn't get to do that. He played the spy, and so he took the the Khalil's running game lanes away, just you know, almost completely and thoroughly for the whole night. He he played a fantastic game. It wasn't like Khalil Tate lost his athleticism over the offseason. He's still an excellent player, and he'll have great yeah. games. But you guys played him really well. Yeah, the the the, the boys went out and and uh, you know they're they're physically capable. And uh, that's that's number one. I mean, it's not the game plan only takes you so far. But then number two, they they stuck with it. And uh, at points during the game, I think Corbin was even, hey, how can, we, can I get a chance to rush the passer? And like, hey, it's working. How we designed it to work, buddy. Keep keep going. You are having a monster game right now. I asked Coach Grimes uh, when he was on that, about how many linemen he ended up playing. I didn't see a lot of subs. I didn't see guys coming in and out. He played only the five offensive linemen at linebacker. How many did you have in on on Saturday? Uh, we played uh, we played five linebackers. Um, Rhett uh, Rhett Sandlin and Adam Pulsifer both both played uh, several snaps there at the at the middle linebacker position. Uh, felt really good about getting in um, uh, Riggs Powell and Isaiah Kalfusi and and the way the game went. You know, with, with the with the exception of the opening drive, they really didn't have a lot of uh, long drives, and so those those two guys stayed in. 
Okay. It is uh, break time on the Coordinator's Corner. When we return, if you have a social media question for Coach Ed Lamb, you can fire it in using hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. We'll also look ahead to the home opener with Cal as we continue live on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN 960. Back after this. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality, and a lot of it, in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. Special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb, on the coordinator's corner. Home opener Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with 1-0 Cal, visiting 1-0 BYU. Time for some social media questions for Coach Lamb from Twitter using hashtag CCBYU. And we go to at Tuckinator on Twitter. He says, with the new redshirt rule and uh, Zane, Sione, uh, Butch Pau'u graduating, any chance to see some youth movement involved more uh, and get younger linebackers early playing time to help fill linebacker reps for a smooth transition when their time eventually comes? Uh, that's, that's a really insightful question. The answer is yes, uh, with the exception of, I don't know that it's necessarily early playing time. It's, uh, some of those guys are still still learning and uh, still developing and uh, and really um, still developing some strength. We have some really good returning missionaries that just kind of got a little banged up during training camp and, and fell out of the game plan. But as as the season goes along, um, absolutely, we've, we've got a lot of good young linebackers I'm excited about. And, and I think they will all play in, unless they're physically you know uh, hurt to the point where they can't. Meantime, you want to get the most out of an experienced group in the starting three right now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we, I mean the, the objective is to to win the game, and uh, and the secondary objective is to you know prepare to win future games, and that's that's where playing those young guys comes into play. All right, uh, the road crowd in Tucson on Saturday night was impressive enough to where when the game ended, BYU fans literally ringed half of the stadium, one full end zone and one full sideline uh, for you guys to make uh, to take a lap, and, and then that never gets old. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, and it's it's a real payoff for. As you know, Greg, we we sing that fight song after after games when we lose too, and it's just it's just excruciating to to do that. Um, and uh, you know, we we understand uh, the need for it, and they show appreciation to the fans, and and show school pride, and and give the um, give the, the the true impression that we're we're coming back, we're not quitting, we'll come back after a loss. But but man, it's just it's just disheartening to let the fans down like that, and so then to celebrate with them. And uh, and not having an opportunity to do that very many times last year is so rewarding to be there on the sideline and see all, all of the fans smiling and having a great time and made their trip worthwhile. You've got the headset on and you're focused on a million different things, but uh, you know we got the game going on and BYU's making this three touchdown run in the third quarter and we hear the BYU chant there at Arizona Stadium yeah. loud and clear, yeah. and that's a great feeling. Uh, let's go to at uh, Chaplain Schumann on Twitter with hashtag CCBYU. Coach Lamb, what do you say and what did you say to your guys to inspire them? at key moments during Saturday's game? Well, um, you know, the, the thing about being the special teams coordinator is all the guys are my guys. And so you know, I, there, there's, there are things that I, that I say to the linebackers that are usually more adjustment-based. I mean, we've got, we've got some seniors out there that they know how to approach a game, and they were in it at every moment. And so it's not a, not a whole lot of motion, motivational. But, you know, at times when our, when our offense, um, you know, early in, the, early in the game, when our offense was kind of moving the ball but not necessarily putting points on the board, you know, it, it might be a smile, it might be a pat on the back, it might just be a, you know, keep it up kind of thing. But I was, I was up and down the sideline encouraging those guys. 
uh, the special teams, so much of the, a team's motivation. There's offensive and defensive players both mixed into there. The special teams were performing well, and so I was out as far as the officials would, would allow me to go after each special mm-hmm. team's rep and making sure I got as many high fives and chest bumps as I could possibly get. I think it's just overall bringing uh, a, a spirit of leadership. Every coach needs to do that. The demeanor that we bring to the games is our players will follow that. Okay, back to special teams for a moment. Let's uh, shout out and credit your snapper and holder on Saturday. And maybe you could speak to uh, how maybe operation time was working for you and, and how things uh, were going from a protocol standpoint. Oh, sure was. Yeah, that's a great word for it. Uh, all of all of the specialists, the, the, the returners on their catches and catch decisions, uh, whether to take a touchback in the end zone, et cetera, um, the, um, the snaps, the holds, the kicks – those were all really solid in the game, and uh, and just from a result standpoint, as as good as it can be done. And there's always there's always technique to clean up. We can always get a little faster on our operation. But uh, you, you know, you said a key word there: operation time for us two point one or less on the punt, and one three five, or at least the, the spiral style punt, and then one three five or less on the PATs. And uh, all of them were were within that range and lower. Mitch Harris, long snapper. Yes. Gavin Fowler, holder. Yes. Gavin Gavin Fowler is not just the holder; he's really a, a, a captain of not just the field goal unit, but the special teams, the punt return unit. He's the one that makes the adjustments. Uh, very, very into um, very into the team part of the game, the coaching part of the game, and uh, whatever his role is, offense, defense, special teams. Um, you know, everybody on our team gets involved in the look squads, and that's just you know simulating the opponent. And uh, that's that's not a thing for backups or starters. It's ev- it's everybody on the team. He does a great job at everything he does. Who's your backup holder, and uh, uh, is Mitch or is Matt Foley still in your snapper mix? You know that um, Tanner Jacobson has been our backup holder, but uh, during this uh, fall camp, he had a little minor injuries back from it. Now, but uh, Red Allman has shown to be a good holder as well, and and uh, was able to get in there and get a lot of work with that. Uh, backup uh, snapper Addison Pulsifer has been doing it while uh, Matt Foley was recovering from some shoulder um, surgery, but uh, that surgery's in the past now, and Matt's ready to go, and so we expect to get him involved this week. Okay, and early Cal look ahead. They're one to know. Not an identical game, but a similar game. Big lead. Uh, Carolina scored a couple touchdowns fourth quarter to make it interesting. They held on for the win. Both teams go one to know, and not coincidentally, neither Cal nor BYU had a turnover in their opening games. Yes, uh, an offensive coordinator and an offense that I'm very familiar with, have a lot of respect for. Uh, coach, uh, the offensive coordinator for them, Bo Baldwin, was the head coach at Eastern Washington during the whole time I was the, the head coach at Southern Utah. And so we've had some great battles over the years and a ton of re- respect that I believe is mutual. I know, I know I've got a ton of respect for the way he coaches the game uh, schematically and philosophically, the way he deals with his players. So, um, you know, excited to, uh, to play a great opponent who's got uh, an undefeated record right now. There should be a lot of spirit out on the field. There's every right to want to celebrate and enjoy and take the reward of what happened on Saturday. It's one of 12 or 13 games now, and I'm sure the focus is let's not be content, let's get after it and win our home opener here on, on Saturday and keep that energy and, and, and enthusiasm and execution high. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you get a pass, Greg, but uh, we're, we're not talking about Arizona anymore. This is Cal Bears Day, and uh, it, down in our facility across campus, that's what we're all about is moving forward in the Cal Bears. All right, it's coming up Saturday night, 6.15 for the radio pregame and 8.15 
for the Mountain Time Kick at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Ed, thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you. All right. That's a wrap for the Coordinator's Corner. Next week, we visit with Coaches Lamb and Tuiaki as we recap the Cal game and get set for a road trip to Wisconsin. Thanks to producer Jason Shepard, Michael Miner, and the crew from BYU TV and from BYU Radio, Sean O'Neill, Terry South, Sean Faye, Sterling Richards, and Don Shaline. I'm Greg Rubel. This has been the Coordinator's Corner. We'll talk to you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain. So long on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN 960.